Hey, Bad Family. We don't often do promotions, but there's a couple of charity promotions we feel passionate about. One of them is Ballot Ready. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. You can go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From Ballot Ready, you can compare candidates based on stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choices to use when you vote by mail or when you vote in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters. Make sure you have a plan to vote and vote informed, especially this year with changes to polling places and vote by mail laws as a result of COVID. It's more important than ever to have a plan to vote. Every election is a local election. The local elections matter and local elected officials affect our lives every day. They decide who to prosecute. They monitor the quality of our drinking water and they start national issues at home. They choose the leadership of our schools. They do so many more things. And it's important to be informed um, and active in our local communities. 30% of voters take the time to vote and then leave some part of their ballot blank. This is a missed opportunity to choose the leaders of our communities. It can be difficult. It can be difficult to know every single race on the ballot and to know the candidates and their positions. So go to ballotready.org and enter your address to get that information, to make a plan to vote, and then to vote informed. See you in November. Bad Family, a podcast for black sheep, bad kids, bad family. Let's get started. Hey, Bad Family, Lincoln wrote a new intro. Tell us what you think. Podcast at gmail.com. Yay! Hey, how's it going, Lincoln? Hey, Coco. How are you? <sighs> Doing pretty good. It was a long day, but happy I'm done. Yeah, I feel you. I had a long day as well. I actually took the day off of work. I just took a mental health day, but I was just rushing to get things done. Hey, Lindsay. Hello. That's awesome. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Um, Lincoln and I were just saying how we both had busy days. Yeah. I took a mental health day, but I was just trying to cram it in with uh chores and laundry and grocery shopping and cleaning and <laughs> that is a- yeah reset day what'd you say i said everyone needs to have a reset day so that's great yeah i just felt like i couldn't function because everything was in such disarray and i don't know i didn't rest which probably would have been helpful but i just felt like all this crap had to get done. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, how are you, Lindsay? I'm all right. I had kind of a busy day, too. Just working on stuff. Well, doing good. My, doing my job. <laughs> Look at us busy bees. Monday productive. <laughs> um, 
Well, for our um, Tell Us Apart moment today, I thought we would, since last week, we talked about our design style in terms of apartments and what we like in terms of decorating. I thought today we would talk about our style in terms of wardrobe and dress. Ooh. Right now, I'm very... uh pandemic chic yeah Um, (laughs) pants and t-shirts are those have been the move for the past few months um but before that and in the future uh i like cool colors and like muted cool colors so i'll typically wear like a lot of black and like blue and green um I like a good button-up shirt. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any. Why don't for you my describe style. it as like uh, you know the kind of person you're trying to uh, to convey to the world? I mean, why don't you do it like that? Tell us what kind of person <laughs> you want to be. <laughs> I just think it, it's more demonstrative to be like. Mm, I think I probably dress like. Um, you know, an offbeat school teacher who, uh, you know, loses <laughs> to, uh, I don't know. <laughs> that makes me think you're wearing like holiday themed sweaters. <laughs> That's extremely not my vibe, but I'm trying to, I'm look, gazing into my closet at the moment and trying to come up with a through line, but it's pretty all over the place actually. So, like, an Uh, unedited, I was going to say millennial aesthetic, but I didn't want that to be condescending. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that that's, that's kind of too broad to even mean anything, I think. I think I look like, um, you know, a little bit, a little bit alternative, but also, like, for someone who was raised Mormon. So I still got a lot of like, <laughs> a lot of like knee length dresses. Um, or really happy that you don't have any like giant bulky jewelry. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, about? yeah, yeah. No, I'm not doing any sort of a Chico's accoutrement. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like that. You've always really liked headbands and head wraps. I do, yeah. That's probably part of my, I would say before quarantine, um, I was doing a lot of like, like a high-waisted pant, a high-waisted skirt, a high-waisted short, that kind of look was my look for a long time. Yeah, and I feel Um, like the silhouette is like headband flowy sweater. Yeah, sometimes I wear a floaty sweater for sure. Um, I don't know. It might be evolving, though. This quarantine thing, I'm like full athleisure 100% of the time. (laughs) Like, I haven't worn a real bra. And by that, I even mean like, forget, forget underwire bra. I even just mean like anything that's not a sports bra. Interesting. I don't have sports bras 
I don't find sports bras super comfortable. Oh, well. Personally. <laughs> I almost was just like, what's your cup size? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you share yeah, that with everybody? It's big, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> you big old Bazoombas. <laughs> it's mama size. <laughs> um, our mom actually has a large breast. So that's what I meant when I said mama. <laughs> but also, I guess, like the mama breastfeeding imagery really works. <laughs> yeah. Just so the listeners know, our mom has big yabos. Man, I heard it once and then I tried to, I don't know if you guys do the uh, New York Times spelling bee puzzle on the daily like I do, but apparently they don't consider yabo to be a word. No, I'm sure if it is, it's, you know, derivative of something. <laughs> something we don't want to know um i i agree with you my style has probably changed but i do have some classic through lines running through my style um one of my ex-boyfriends described my style as elegant pilgrim (laughs) (laughs) the pilgrim come in (laughs) you're always wearing those buckle shoes yeah i think it was a moment of like buckle shoes not buckle shoes, but like a Mary Jane or like lace ups or like work clothes, mm-hmm. you know. And then like a, and that moment I was wearing a lot of like um, long, you know, um, what is it called? Midi, I guess like midi length high waisted pencil skirts and like button up, you know, tucked in or shirts with collars. It was like very work aesthetic. Which, which yeah, is honestly, still my aesthetic since all I do is work. But yeah, but even within that, you don't. You've got a specific sort of like. You gravitate toward your dark colors, your blacks, but you also have uh, a lot of colors. Or I don't know. Yeah, you've got a lot of big prints and colors, and you don't go for like. Um, you know, there are some very some patterns. And prints are really specific to like a certain subgroup. Like you wouldn't wear a big paisley. I don't know. Maybe I really like wouldn't a, assume. Like a fashion forward or like a modern art. I like bold prints. Yeah, you always look like you could be a curator in a museum or something. Yes, I would say like if you said my style was like art director, you would nail it because yeah, yeah. I'm not kidding you, multiple people sometimes are like let me guess you're an art director (laughs) and I say no that's really nice (laughs) in fact no librarian that's nice though I mean it's not it's nice but it's just like it's sort of basic it's like oh your glasses you're wearing black or like a bold print or like you know what I mean yeah but you know you would never expect an art director to be like uh you know frumpy (laughs) So I guess you're right. Well, I, and I think part of that. that is that I would, I would say I have a modern style. Add a lot of silver jewelry, and there you go. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Is she an art director, or does she like live on, it, or is she like a wealthy <laughs> retiree living on a ranch, <laughs> like reading books? This Which is the is kind it? of thing that I'm looking for. That's what I want. Lincoln, now do you? <laughs> Lincoln like works in tech. You look like you work in tech. 
and you look like you would know how to skateboard, but I don't think you do. <laughs> Someone actually has told me that that I dress like I know how to skateboard, and I had yeah. to be like, sorry, but I no, can't it's a skate. vibe. It's a vibe. You've got your little Carhartt beanie aesthetic. <laughs> I do own a lot of. Well, I lost the Carhartt beanie, but I own like a lot of Carhartt T-shirts. Sure. When I was living back home in Virginia, I remember I went to a bar once and I was flirting with this girl and I, we were talking about styles and she said that I dress like an alternative librarian. And I thought, hell yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that feels like a, a compliment to me as a librarian. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. I have to think about this. I don't think anyone's ever told me I dress like a librarian. No. Well, I think that's pretty demonstrative, actually. And definitely styles change in COVID. I mean, I'm very much a uh, uh, jeans or jammies at my bedroom desk kind of lady these days. Yeah, I think everybody is. If you're not doing that, you're nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly think we probably all have the same style, but really toned down. I mean, I definitely am not dressing up work professional anymore, but I'm still me. Yeah. I mean, I think we all, I thought you were saying like our styles are similar between us. And I think that's pretty fair to say. I actually don't, not sure that they are. I think that you can see that we are all from the same family sometimes. That's what I mean. With patterns or silhouettes, but I actually think that we have. (laughs) You're like, I would literally never wear anything from your closet. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think, I think if I were wearing something you would wear, you would be like, that's a Lindsay outfit. Do you know what I mean? Mm, Or like, maybe. Obviously, there's a gender difference in what we wear versus Lincoln, but. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I were wearing like black jeans and like a black button up and like some lace up you know vans or boat shoes I feel like I would and a beanie I feel like I would it would be like a Lincoln look yeah I just think they're all you know we're all notes in the same chord baby (laughs) well um all of our styles sort of were founded from um the fantastic thrift store in Richmond yeah that's true yeah and that's not the only one let's give a little nod to like the hall tree and dang dumb but not forgotten there was another thrift store down um, on the road that was one directional on the way home. I can't remember. Like, you go up Cary and you go down another street that's parallel, but I can't remember what it's called. Oh. Are you talking about a, a more recent one? Are oh, you, you know what? Maybe about... that was Cary. Like, you go up another street and then down Cary. Yeah, I do think you go. You go east on Cary. Huh. Well, I don't know which one you're talking about. There's that Addison vintage that I like. No, that's too new. I mean, that's like within the last few years, right? Are you talking about that, like, um, what's it called? It has that yellow sign. <laughs> it's called yeah, like the clothes like rack. I think it's called the clothes rack. Yeah, that might be it. I didn't ever like that yes. one as much. That one I went to for the books. You know what? I actually think something really foundational for us 
maybe other people feel like this too, is because we didn't have a lot of money growing up, which meant we couldn't like, you know, get all our clothes at the mall where your style is curated for you by the store in the season. Yeah. I feel like we all had pretty experimental styles, sometimes good, sometimes bad. (laughs) Because we were like, it was like a potpourri of all generations. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I am like curating from the first Man, floor. it's too bad we couldn't get Lauren on this episode because she would have some. I feel like I remember her getting into a, you know, an argument with mom because she wanted to wear like, she found this like gold brocade, like cocktail dress and she wanted to wear it she wanted to wear it to school with like her you know hoodie sweatshirt and mom was like no why would you you can't put those together well I remember my worst but perhaps most definitive high school outfit is I had a pair of like green and red plaid pants which were probably like men's dress pants. <laughs> so they obviously, it wasn't like a great fit. And then I would wear it with like my black Pantera t-shirt. I feel like I remember this outfit too. Yes, it was like a bold teenage choice. I think like, we all could have made these work. A lot of- it's not me. Oh, sorry. Oh, Lindsay, are you making dinner? I'm not not making dinner. I just went into my bathroom and opened my drawer. I didn't realize it was that loud. Yeah, it's quite loud. Sorry. This microphone is really good, I guess. Uh, Lincoln, I need to apologize that whenever there's noise, I assume it's you. That was my bad, my fault. Thank you. No, I think it's a safe assumption. Well, I mean, you've been, you've been... We only had judge up the past. So I'll take the thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm sorry to cut you off, Lindsay. What were you saying? Um. Oh, I think I was saying that uh, we probably could have all made those uh those choices work better if we had any sort of like tailoring experience or access to a sewing machine when we were kids. Uh, I mean, I think they worked as well as Young Confidence does work. Lauren told me recently when I was visiting her in North Carolina that someone said to her, you pulled that off really well. Oh, yeah. I don't. She told me that, too. She was clearly very affected by it. I didn't think it was yeah, a big she deal. Thought it was a, she thought it was like a backhanded compliment. Like, where would you wear that? Like, you're wearing that. It's not wearing you. But like, who would have thought? Oh, I don't care. People who say that kind of thing are the kind of people who are, you know, they just wear the same thing every day. I mean, I like the idea of having a uniform, but I also like... I'm talking about afraid to make sartorial choices, you know? If you can't play with your clothes, where's the joy, I guess? That's what I'm talking about. Where's the joy? Uh, all right, I guess that's pretty good. Yeah, I think that is actually a pretty visual getting to know you, or I mean, tell us apart. So uh, let's get into it. Um, in a total 180, <laughs> uh, instead of a soft topic of fashion, um, what we thought we would talk about today actually is something that I think has been on all of our minds, which is 
um, the partisanship in America, um, how, you know, the our political parties, whether they be Republican and Democrat, just seem to be more and more and more polarized and how we're moving in a really partisan direction, um, both in our political parties and also on the Supreme Court. And then maybe also talking about misinformation and how that may have contributed, may or may not be contributing to the partisan nature of our country. I think this topic is really timely in my mind because, you know, at the time of recording, we're going to have our, the presidential debate tomorrow, which probably everyone will watch. But um, I was reading some statistics this week about how, from the Pew Research Center, about how very few Trump or Biden supporters have close friends who back the opposing candidate. Um, And I was thinking about it, and that's true for me. I mean, I have family members who back the opposing candidate, but I have very few friends who back the opposing candidate. And so I feel like that even speaks to how partisan our country has gotten, that we are so segmented, even in our personal relationships, that we don't cross or like so geographically clenched. I'm not sure we don't even know people besides family members who cross parties. You think it's geographical? Uh, oh, I don't know. I live in a city, so the majority of the people around me leave, lean democratic. Yeah. But what do you think? Do you not think it's I mean, I don't know. Or- I'm sure that the geography has some bearing on it, but I feel like it's more generational the divide than um than geographical that's not necessarily based in any sort of like i'm not going to dig up any stats <laughs> that's just kind of how i'm it not feels. sure that about that because there are lots of young people who are republican and support trump but mm-hmm. i think they're from certain parts of the country sure um i feel like well no lincoln you go ahead thank you uh, so I've been watching a lot of documentaries lately about this topic. Um, most recently, I watched The Social Dilemma and this one called Hacked. They're both on Netflix. But they were painting this really interesting picture because basically they were saying that on social media, everyone sort of lives in their own reality because each person's feed is tailored differently and they're presented with information that they're like most likely to engage with um so because of that these apps are sort of tailored to uh highlight stories that will bring forth like a reaction out of people regardless of whether the information in these stories is true so because of that if you were a little bit right-leaning you're going to see more and more right-leaning stories depending on the things that you interact with and then the same is true of people on the left so eventually people's feeds become to partisanship yeah i mean we kind of knew that we people have been talking about like echo chambers since like before the 2016 election it kind of feels like what's frustrating about this election is that it does, maybe I'm alone in feeling this way, but it feels like just a redux of 
what happened with the 2016 election, but like the stakes are feel higher, like literally everything's on fire. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think it doesn't, you know, I guess it feels the same to me in that the Democratic candidate is leading in the polls, you know, and Trump is on the ballot. But other than that, it feels completely different to me. How so? Well, I feel like it's different because after four years of Trump, you know, from a left-leaning perspective, you know, I feel like there have been severe threats to our democracy, you know, which from a right-leaning perspective, people feel like that's not true. You know, Trump has been such a fantastic president who's accomplished all these goals so i mean even describing it it's hard to be nonpartisan because i feel like i feel like we don't we're not even getting the same news we're not even on the same side but i feel like the major elect the major issues in this election from my perspective seem to be really different than they were four years ago Mm. like four years ago it was all about um hillary clinton's email server you know which was you know, later proved that she did nothing wrong. And I feel like the huge issues this election are so different. It's about civil rights and, you know, fair treatment for black people and people of color. And it's also, um, um, I'm totally blanking. (laughs) Some other important issues, don't you know? (laughs) I guess I just feel like, I mean, obviously the emails thing was, insane um and that was an issue of like the way the media was covering the election but i i felt like all of the issues that you mentioned uh those were at play in the 2016 election or at least in my echo chambers people were talking about those things and were worried about this exact situation happening exactly these circumstances like that we, you know, that this Supreme Court situation would become an issue and that like, you know, things with like ice would would get worse and like, um, you know, no, you're right about that, that. All of these things right have just that. become, we're in the situation that everyone was fearing in 2016, but the core issues of like, misinformation and um whatever the psychology is that like allows on it and you know what i'm not even gonna try to be nonpartisan because i think that would be irresponsible <laughs> at this moment to be nonpartisan on like on these issues i think is immoral um like i've now I've lost my train of thought, but... Um... Well, it's okay. I think that... I think it feels so different to me because of everything that's happened in four weighty years. And not just this past year, which has been, you know, the coronavirus, which threw a wrench in everyone's reality. But I feel like based on President Trump's response to the pandemic, which some people think was great and most... I don't understand you know, that. Organizations <laughs> that I know think was horrific. 
Um, I think based on that and based on this narrative right now about law and order because of the protests where the, you know, right-leaning media is trying to stress law and order as like a huge issue in the election, like are trying to say, if you don't vote for President Trump, it will be chaos in the streets because all police departments will be you know, defunded and abolished, even though that's not a position that Joe Biden supports. Right. He's not even a, he's not even that progressive in that way. I mean, he's got Kamala as his number two. Kind of ridiculous. And meanwhile, we have all you're hearing is that in the media, I can see how the right leaning voters, you know, will say, especially now, especially in this time, we have to, to protect our police departments. And also we have to vote Trump to, you know, protect the, you know, the, the right of life on the Supreme Court. We have to overthrow Roe v. Wade. And so because Trump has put in three Republican justices, we know we can trust him and we have to vote for him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like a reliance on these like buzzword topics. I don't think that if if you confronted, like if we confronted our parents, our like very conservative parents who are going to vote for Trump. Vote Republican, they call it. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to vote Republican, which is a euphemism. They're going to whatever um but if you like press them even a little bit on what pro-life means and like on how our abortion policies are so destructive and there's no you know if you push them even a little bit and we're like well why don't you want to if you're so interested in like preventing abortion why wouldn't you be supportive of policies that are like about implementing better sex education in schools or about like providing um, contraceptives or that kind of, or providing like um, care for, it's just like, so I don't know if they are or would not be, but I I do feel like um, there are many single voter, I mean, single issue voters. Right. And what I'm saying is like that my issue and I vote this no matter what. And what I'm saying is that they take advantage of those issues and on the fact that people who believe in those issues or who care about those issues or purport to will not do the critical thinking or the research to look into like whether or not the policies that they support are actually what they think they are, you know, whether they're like actually preventing harm or if they're like actively written well, to be as harmful to certain populations as well, possible, I mean, they are. I feel like that that also depends on your party. Do you know what I mean? It completely depends on your party what you feel like is harm and what is not harmful. Right. I mean, but also mom and dad yeah. that their like primary issues are abortion and like faith. And if you are pro-life, then Trump is the candidate for you. I just disagree. Um, I just think yeah. pro-life I mean, is a misnomer. It I should be called that. pro-birth, not pro-life. You can't be pro-life and like 
support the death penalty and not want to like care for the children after they're born. Not the, to make this like a stump speech. I just think it's ridiculous. Well, I don't want to talk about our parents. I want to talk about, you know, just like our per personal views about the partisanship. Although I will say that certainly our family is very, very split along partisan lines. And it is a constant challenge and opportunity, I guess, to dig into the issues and what we know that I think we've all accepted will never convince one another. It's more just an exercise and a practice in communication, trying to understand for each other why we believe what we believe. That's a good point. <sighs> So, um, I don't know. I think it is dangerous that the country has become so polarized, but I also don't have a solution. You know, if we're not even, if we're not even taking in the same news, because there are, I mean, truly there are like very right-leaning versus very left-leaning media sources, but I feel like, um, I personally feel like on the right, if you're only consuming very right-leaning media sources, you don't even hear mainstream news. I mean, even mainstream news. Like, when we didn't have the internet last week, <laughs> Nina and I went out and bought a, one of those, like, antenna that, where you could just get local channels, and we started watching the local news, which was wild. Felt like being at home. I never watch the local news except for when I'm visiting at Christmas. But watching it, it's like very clear that there is a bent toward like pro-police, like pro-landlord. It was like every other story was like, look at this police officer uh, save a kitten from a tree. Why are small landlords being left out? They, the government is preventing them from throwing people out onto the street, but nobody's, nobody's paying the rents for them. It's like... I mean, the bent is there. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. So, like, even that was, like, your... Yeah, yeah, that was, like, news. the ABC News here, or whatever, whichever channel. But it was, like, you know, even mainstream news has a bent. And if you're not, like, aware of the different sides, then you will just accept things as fact. Or, like forget to question well i feel like that's that's a really good point because it's hard to know what the facts really are like in this world of misinformation where you know there are like russian troll farms and people purposefully disseminating fake news because it's profitable to disseminate fake news right. to get clickbait but it is actually not as easy as we think it is to get to the root of what is really happening in For your story. For um, my main news source is generally NPR. And then on top of that, I'll also read a lot of the New York Times. The New York Times leads or leans more left than NPR. Um, I try to do like bias fact-checking research online um and what i was reading is that npr is 
slightly left-leaning while the New York Times are moderately left-leaning. Um, but to like counterbalance that, every now and then I'll like click on the Fox News website just to see how they're portraying or talking about the same stories. And it's kind of crazy because like headliners on the New York Times and NPR will be like the third or fourth story down on Fox News. Um, and then the number one story is like uh, Trump looks strong against Dems. Right. Jeez. Oh, it's ridiculous. Well, and everyone thinks that the news is automatically impartial or like that they're, that they don't have any sort of ulterior motive, but then you remember that they're owned by these like bulls of billionaires who obviously have a reason for like broadcasting or choosing to broadcast what news they do. So yeah yeah well i mean any organization that same way but i think i think that's a really healthy practice lincoln to try and and just see the news from both sides when i was talking to mom and dad some this summer about political views i mean that's when it really became clear to me that we weren't even consuming we weren't even consuming the same news but i feel like it is really healthy, like you said, to do fact checking and to follow up on things like in the spirit of transparency and trying to be as partial as possible, like something that um, I looked into um, when I was talking to mom and she was like, I hadn't even heard that any protesters in Portland had been disappeared in unmarked vehicles. Um, I I started reading into it to try and see, you know, like what is true, what is not true. Um, and it seemed like there were cases where it happened, but it, it seemed overblown based on the articles that I was reading, like based on like factcheck.org. There was one primary report, you know, of an individual who, you know, said that they were put into an unmarked car by people who, didn't have clear insignia of what organization they were from on their uniform but overall you know they they felt like some of it was true some of it was not true they couldn't substantiate that that there were unmarked uniforms by the department of homeland security Um, they could only substantiate certain reports that certain people were put in unmarked cars and just trying to be fair i'm just saying that i feel like we're probably getting we are probably getting left-leaning and right-leaning news, and it's hard to be really fair. And I don't know how to be really fair. For that story in particular. Know. I feel like... Security. I'm pretty sure that they um, admitted to abducting people in unmarked vans. But... Yeah. Unmarked... Yeah. Well, unmarked vehicles, but they it wasn't proven that they didn't have, like, insignia on their outfits. Yeah. I mean... I don't know whether that's the issue. Isn't the issue that they're abducting people and not whether or not they had insignia? Well, I'm not even sure it's fair to say abducting. Mm, I just... If you're put into a car and then taken down for a... I mean, I just feel like, obviously, that's horrifying and scary. And when I saw the news, I was horrified. I felt like our democracy was was being incredibly threatened. 
but like in the spirit of trying to be really really fair to what truly happened I think the problem is that it's a handful people. of reports of people who said that happened to them but they're I mean but just when you think of a handful versus thinking like that's happening to 50 people in Portland it just seems I mean, different I don't and know. And it's crazy that um, that was a major story in my news for a while, but I'm surprised that mom didn't hear about it until you told her, at least. I'm not. She had never heard of it when I was trying to talk to her about it. I'm not surprised by that at all. I don't think that she consumes... I think she consumes, like, local news and Fox News. But, I mean, there were also news stories she was trying to tell me about that I had never heard of. And one of them was, like, she said, you didn't even know that Nancy Pelosi didn't want to hold presidential debates? And I said, nope, I never heard that. Did we fact check that? <laughs> so I had to, like, I had to fact check that as well. I think Nancy Pelosi did make some comment, like, what is the purpose of having, you know, presidential debates against this candidate, something like that. So I just, I mean, I honestly feel like there is bias to both sides where, you know, even if you're reporting fact, it can be leaned on one way or leaned on another way. I mean, so I think the I danger guess, with all of these issues I I is like, stress it hard. I think it's dangerous to legitimize arguments about like people's, about <laughs> people's humanity and like, when the facts are that, like, you know, the police are killing people or, you know, like, Breonna Taylor is shot in her home with a no-knock warrant, like, it is dangerous to allow, like, other sideism to creep in and, like, am I making sense? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like... There, there's not yeah, it's not a partisan issue when it's like somebody's died like somebody's been killed or like you know proud boys are terrorizing people or like running over there was a protester here the other day like literally a few streets over from my house who was like run over twice by a car that's not like a partisan yeah, i'm sorry we can't be partisan about that it's just crazy to me that that becomes like a political no, but I feel, like, I feel like that's a perfect example because you do have to be informed. Like I heard on the Daily, the New York Times podcast, that they were interviewing protesters in Louisville, Kentucky, after the ruling came down that they weren't going to prosecute the three police officers or they weren't going to indict them with murder, that there was a huge protest and they were talking to the protesters about why they were there. And it was like everyone they interviewed had the facts wrong. They were like, why are you there? They were like, the police shot Brianna in her bed. Wrong. You know, they were like, the police shooting recklessly out the window, you know, shot into the window and killed her. Wrong. I mean, I think that the, that feels you know, like they, quibbling, like though. You know, that feels like, okay, well, they were wrong about a detail in the case, but that that's not like fundamentally they're angry no, that she was like shot unjustly by the police and they're not wrong about that about that no they're not wrong about that but i do think it i mean to play devil's advocate i do think it matters and and it matters that 
the police shot back after her boyfriend fired. And I still think that the police were wrong and that the number of bullets that shot back and killed her were unjustifiable force and they should go to prison for it. Minimally, they should lose their jobs. Maximally, they should get, you know, indicted for that indecent behavior. But I feel like not having the facts makes it impossible to understand an issue. And a problem is not just, you know, the protesters not knowing the facts and responding emotionally, which makes sense after, you know, more than a hundred years of mistreatment and oppression. But I feel like there was not transparency with the details of the case. So, it, I mean, it, it was hard to even know all of the details until yeah. I don't recently. That, um, other sideism, as you called it, is inherently a bad thing. So long as both sides have like equal power. So if the people have as much power as the police, then yeah, let's talk it out and try to figure out what happened, what went wrong, where is fault. But I feel like a lot of the issues right now is because there isn't equal power. And Mm -hmm. like even in the courts, judges are much more likely to take the police's side over anything that the people... Yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, they're... It's hard to even think of circumstances where a police officer would be prosecuted for wrongdoing. I think it had, I don't remember the exact language, but I think you would have to like knowingly and willfully violate someone's constitutional rights to even have a chance of being prosecuted for wrongdoing. Or like have had like a premeditated intent to violate someone's constitutional rights. Um, Sorry, there's a term trying to remember it. Lindsay, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're gonna have to give me a little bit more to work on a term uh, that you know of. It's in the law that protects police because they can only be like convicted of something if there is a legal precedent that tells them, uh, oh, sure. them that they shouldn't have done this thing. Um, qualified immunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I'm I'm reaching that point of like <laughs> Go ahead. I no, we just there's just like a little bit of echo in our apartment. She's in the I didn't have my door closed. Sorry about that. And she talks too loud. <laughs> um <laughs> no, I love Nina, but it was no. like we were all in the living room. Um, I, I was just saying that I'm like reaching that that point of exhaustion that often happens with these conversations where I'm like, I, I am dreading everything. <laughs> everything is dread. <laughs> oh. No, I get it. I mean, and this is was an incredibly intense conversation i don't even think we touched on you know the why behind partisanship or where we are now um, no I'm sorry no I not anything i just yeah something in me really wants to be fair and i honestly think it's like love of parents like i'm always pushing to try and be fair because i very much believe strongly you know 
my left-leaning liberal views, but I want to be fair. Above all, I want to try. Yeah. That's kind. I think I... my approach is more like I would like to understand more. I don't think that there is any convincing me that there's a justification for voting for Trump that is, um, you know, there that there is one. <laughs> I don't think that there is a good justification. And like, that's why. Uh, the only justification I can think of is if you're a one percenter and are enjoying. Oh, yeah. I mean, like any justification wealthy. that is moral. <laughs> and I don't think that there is one. Um, and no, <laughs> no amount of like, I understand that our parents are like, you know, deeply religious, like people guided by their faith. But I also think that um, that is antithetical to the choice that they're making and that they don't, um, they don't realize that because they don't want to, because of the news that they're consuming and because they don't want to like peel back the curtain on that i think it's um easier for them to just accept well, like this is the candidate that will stop abortion and not look further into it than that even though like i think it's gonna do much more i agree harm. i think it's about greater i good. think if we all watched or had access to the same news or at least similar news then things would be different even in, in the nation and even within like our own family. Um, part of me really wants to make a bet with dad where like I will pay him money if he makes his primary news source NPR for a month and then I will like watch way more Fox News in exchange or give him something. Ugh, a devil's bargain, Link. I don't I'll take think... the devil's bargain. A devil's bargain. But just a um, little. I would be experiment. interested in that. Honestly, that that sounds like a fascinating <laughs> documentary, <little> actually. <laughs> and then it ends up with Lincoln as like a little skinhead. Proud <laughs> boy. <Yes>. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I actually would love a documentary where, like, father and sons, you know, of of reverse party views switched each other's media for a month and you could hear them like you know shit talking one another from their living would rooms. love that <laughs> if know? we could set that up me and dad <laughs> i love... mean it's an interesting As idea can... for sure it would be interesting just having dad on a podcast <laughs> the aspect of hearing him be like oh how do i record who <laughs> hello lincoln <laughs> kids are so uh yeah i think our father is so charming i once dreamed of having like an anthony bourdain style travel cooking show that was just me and dad headed around the world <laughs> i'd watch it it would be funny it would be like very right? npc it would be funny it would be ch- it would be charming it would be charming you know like a wild unscripted sort right. of family comedy Yes. Well, is there anything else we should say? Something I wanted to point out is that the trend toward partisanship um, is not, I mean, certainly we see it in the country, but we've also seen it in the Supreme Court. 
So the Atlantic reported that from 1801 to 1940, less than 2% of the Supreme Court's total rulings were resolved by a five to four decision. So that's like a really split decision where, where one party makes the swing vote decision. So less than 2%. And then starting in like, you know, 1930s, the Hughes Court, it has dramatically increased. There's just like a huge upward trend to the point where on the Roberts Court, like a huge percent, more than 15%, or like more than a fifth of all rulings were decided by five to four votes. Dang. Yeah. Something's really clicking. Sorry, Guys, that's me again. <laughs> Do we have an episode on like... Well, I just can't tell what podcast? you can hear. I thought I was just very gently tapping my Everything. Pen. Jeez, this is a really I got a new pair of headphones. Um like JBL crisp. and the microphone is really crisp. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I thought I was just like quietly whatever. I guess I can't I gotta just sit here with my hands in my <laughs> in my lap and not make any <laughs> noise at all. My bad. <laughs> Yeah, no, the general rule is you can hear absolutely everything. You know, opening cabinets, (laughs) making dinner. All right. You know, everything. Lincoln peeing. We can hear everything. Lincoln, I wasn't going to bring that up. (laughs) I just thought (laughs) I'm going to be under the bus here. Somebody can join me. Yeah. Okay, back to what I was saying. They were saying that... um, Obviously, there have been like a ton more polarized rulings on the Supreme Court, which I think will continue with the, you know, potential Amy Barrett um, Mm -hmm. joining the court. But I thought this was interesting. The Atlantic said that the most significant laws are increasingly decided by that same one vote margin that undermines the very supreme authority of the court which I thought was fascinating. Like the partisanship of the court actually undermines the supreme authority of the court because these more ideologically sorted rulings are more likely to be overturned in future. I mean, and and Amy Barrett even said she, she thought that Roe v. Wade was something that was like up for potentially being overturned based on how controversial it was. That is pretty crazy. Yeah, I feel like I... Even though uh, things might be overturned in the future, I really dislike the current lifetime appointments of the Supreme Court judges. You know, I mean, even if it were like 10 years as opposed to until they die or retire, because that can just really, really lock the nation in a mindset, particularly if the Supreme Court swings right while the nation moves like heavy left that will only cause tension in the nation. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you could say right now that the Supreme Court is moving in a direction that doesn't reflect the nation who majority supports Obamacare and majority supports... Yeah. I mean, like, Trump lost the popular vote, but he's installed Kavanaugh, and now he's about to install Barrett, and they're both, like heavy, heavy right judges compared to the rest of 
the court, and I think it's fucked up, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whole thing's fucked up. Well, well, I think the hardest thing about it is that the makeup of the court with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I mean, made it much easier for Justice Roberts to argue that the court was impartial because he could be the swing vote and was the swing vote, you know, to vote, you know, based on the legal argument and in a way where he could argue, I'm not leaning right. You know, it's not like going one, it's not as partisan, just he was, it was easier for him to Mm -hmm. argue that the court was not partisan when he could be the swing vote with the more left-leaning judges. And if Amy Barrett is nominated, I know that she goes by her middle name. I can't remember what it is. Coney, Comey, Corey. (laughs) Uh, That um, it's going to be harder because his vote won't be the swing vote. And you're less likely to, you know, lean with the to side with the liberal judges on a dissent than you would be when your dissent actually changes the ruling i guess personally i'm much more in favor of limiting supreme court uh justice terms than backing the court like i've heard rumors that um democrats want to do if biden wins uh yeah well i mean i get it honestly it was not very popular but right when rbg passed away my boyfriend matt was like yeah. was mad at her <laughs> i got into an argument about it and i was like you can't be mad at her you know you know, do you know what i mean but he was like uh why didn't she you know step down so she could focus on her health issues yeah i mean i think he has a point whatever <laughs> i mean i i think i get it i get it it didn't feel fair at the time at the time i was like let's sure. not talk about this <laughs> But I do, I get it. It can be hard to be on the court until death. When the timing of a death has such ramifications. Huge ramifications. Also the fact that, did you see that picture of her at somebody's wedding like a month ago with no mask on? And then, you know, that just made me so angry. It was like, first of all, who's having a wedding with no masks right now? And then invites Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And then Ruth Bader Ginsburg decides to go, even though she is clearly old and sick and doesn't wear a mask. And then she dies. And we we can't be, like, annoyed. (laughs) We can't be, like, well, well, you know, obviously acknowledge the good you did. But come on. Well, do you know, how do you know it wasn't even so? I mean, she's look at the photo. She's right there between them. I don't know. I haven't seen the photo, but I mean, also a part of me is like, she knew she was dying. Carpe diem. It's her last wedding. It didn't matter if she caught COVID. She may have already known if she was out the door by then. Um, but. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Hard times. Hard times. Anyway, should we. 
anyone have anything to say so we end on a lighter note? Does anyone have any like hope? <laughs> Does anyone have any hope? No. Not a bit. Not one ounce. Um, um any hope. Well, I mean I can I can say that I think we are in a moment of opportunity and instead of feeling like we are flushing down the toilet I feel more positive when I think that we are in a ripe moment of opportunity for positive you know what? I do have something to change. share as far as hope goes actually um, which is just that uh, even though you know in the midst of like total systems collapsing <laughs> um you know, this year has shown me, I've seen like so many more people that I know and uh, in the community, like stepping up to help where federal and state and local governments are failing, especially as far as like um, helping our unhoused neighbors during these heat waves goes. Like I have seen a lot of people that I know donating uh, and like helping to uh, organize and like cook meals and uh, you know being out there like on the ground helping people where you know meanwhile our our mayor stupid Garcetti is like spending our our tax dollars to like destroy homeless encampment encampments which does nothing to help and merely like well, I don't know what I, but the hope is like people everyday people are doing their part and like showing compassion and stepping up where people in power are failing us so that is hopeful in my opinion yeah that is hopeful I also feel like it is something really hopeful, whether or not this ends up being true, is that when Amy Barrett was nominated, in her speech, she said, I hope to be not just the judge of the people like me or the judge of my party or for myself. I hope to be a judge who rules favorably for all people. And I think whether or not that was political... I am hopeful that in expressing that sentiment, she put her she puts mm. her money where her mouth is and she means it. In being thoughtful, you know, like for example, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg was elected, was nominated. Oh, I I mean I should go to hell for comparing them. <laughs> I was just going to say that people thought that she was too moderate and actually she ended up being, I think, an incredibly well respected um justice and so i'm hopeful that it will end up better nice than we expect sentiment. um i hope mm. that she i hear a lot of mm, from Lindsay's, but <laughs> i hope she... <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to make that a neutral mm, but you know uh i hope that she um because she's probably going to be nominated and confirmed like understands the weight of the seat that she's taking up and the decisions that she lands down and like how those can affect 
everyday Americans for years and maybe generations to come. So, like, maybe instead of taking the hard conservative route, lean a little bit more, at least towards the middle, to try and understand where the people are at. I mean, well... We're in a hopeful moment. I just think that the middle yeah, is being true. dragged I further and further left or further and further right. So, you know, I hope that she is worthy of uh, this, of these hopes that we have for her, but I just don't trust talk, you know? Well, well, let's hope. We'll hope and and follow up. Cool. That's, that's all we can do. All right. Well, I love you. I know that was a bit of a weighty convo, <laughs> you know? No, <laughs> but we already dug into religion. So, I mean, why not hit all the taboos? What are we going to talk about next week? We're fine. We're going to talk about Love Island next week. A little reprieve. <laughs> season five. I guess I better watch it. I've never seen that show. <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, I love you, you guys. Hope you have a great evening. Bye. Thanks for listening. Smell you later. <laughs>